I want to. I want to add some uh, <laughs> like like cool like sound effects. Not sound effects, but just like like it, like intro intro music. <laughs> like like uh yeah. like shock jock yeah. DJ. Ooh, like air yeah. horns. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, all those right, right. <laughs> hey everyone, SB here. I'm apparently the new host of the At Home podcast. I don't know what a host does or what I'm even doing now. In fact, I never thought I'd be a host of anything, nor have I ever wanted to be a host. But anyway, here I am in my San Francisco living room, bored. My main goal for this podcast is to have casual conversations with friends around the world. I think that in light of the coronavirus slash COVID-19 pandemic, we're all handling the crisis in a different way. Outside of the virus, everyone has their own story to share. And so I'll make an attempt to provide a bit of a distraction as you listen along. I'm really excited to introduce my first guest in this quote unquote pilot episode, Paulo Alberca. Paulo and I grew up on Long Island together, and like all New Yorkers, he's experiencing what shelter in place means firsthand. He's also married to another good friend of mine, who's an ER nurse fighting the good fight every day. Paulo is also an avid runner, and in an attempt to distract us from the craziness and uncertainty, he also shares a story of his journey as a runner, going through major knee surgery to ultimately making long distance running an integral part of his life. And so, without further ado, the At Home Podcast, pilot episode. All right. So, um, hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in here. Uh, I just want to welcome you all to this podcast. Really just going to figure out where this goes, and we'll see what happens from there. The whole concept behind the podcast is really just to kind of check in on the lives of people as we kind of go through this coronavirus, COVID-19 crisis together. And my first guest is someone that I've known for quite a long time. His name's Paulo Alberca. Uh, how's it going, Paulo? Hey, man. How you doing? Doing all right. It's it's kind of good catching up with you to, despite the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, I wish we I wish it was in better terms, but here we are. You know. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. Uh, I'm sure the audience wants to know. <laughs> so I am currently living at the epicenter of where uh, coronavirus is um, at in the United States, New York City. I live in Astoria, Queens. I am with my wife, who is an ER nurse. So she has firsthand experience on dealing with um, this uh, pandemic right now, too. So I could offer a little bit of insight on that as well. I'm 32 years old. Uh, I work right now um, as an account manager for a medical equipment company. So I'm considered an essential uh, employee. So I'm not those people who are working from home. So I'm a little, I'm seeing uh, what uh, what it's like outside on a daily daily, daily basis and how it affects different doctors practices as well. And um, for leisure or for what I've been doing since the quarantine, I've just been kind of running to kind of keep sane because staying at home during the weekends doing nothing is uh getting a little stir crazy yeah yeah i know uh from uh your facebook and ig posts you're you're obviously a big runner and so we're <laughs> definitely, get, definitely gonna get into that in a little bit but yeah you know I, i'm really just kind of curious how you're just kind of handling everything like you know just kind of start from maybe the beginning where when did it kind of feel like the virus was just kind of a, a real thing to the point where you could tangibly feel like, you know, things are just going to kind of, kind of change. So 
Um, it was always in the back of our, our, our minds, you know, with what's going, what was going on in Wuhan. And then when it spread to Iran and Italy and then the growing numbers in Italy and Korea, um, what, when it really started to hit me was we had a race actually coming up. We were supposed to be, actually, we were supposed to leave for um, L.A. on the 16th or something like that. We were doing a relay race from Santa Monica Pier to the Las Vegas, Las, Las Vegas Strip sign. Um, it was a, a 12-man relay race, uh, unsanctioned. And we had everything planned and we were ready to go. But I think the Wednesday, the week before we were supposed to take our flights out, they um, emailed all the, the team captains and said, due to this, uh, to the coronavirus, we had to postpone it. And um, that's when it really hit us. Um, we also, I also had a lot of friends who were training for marathons, whether it be Boston or, or Paris or any, any other races. Uh, once at Tokyo too, especially Tokyo is a major one. Um, once those races started getting postponed or canceled or, or whatever, that's when it was just kind of creeping up, creeping up, creeping up that this is a lot more serious than I initially uh, anticipated being. Yeah. Tell me about kind of the environment in New York. Like you mentioned, and I know this, right. You, you live in Astoria, um, you commute to the city every now and then. So what's yeah. it, what's it like being out there uh, during this time? Um, so at the beginning, it was still, you know, they're still doing chunks of, they're still doing chunks of like, um, you know, closing at schools, closing on businesses, seeing which one was essential. So it was okay for at the start. But um, I think this past couple of weeks, I, I drive for work. So it's been like dead. Like I get from place to place. Usually it takes me like an hour, an hour and a half. It takes me like half an hour. So low key, it's like been good on my commute, but everything else has been like a ghost town, literally a ghost town. You drive down Fifth Avenue, you know, uh, Times Square even, and those are big tourist traps or places where there's a lot of foot traffic and you'd see one or two people maximum and then maybe two or three cars. So it's so eerie. It's like, if you watch I Am Legend, it's like yeah. that without the plants or, or anything else. It's like, yeah, you, you think you're the only person in New York City, which is so bizarre. Yeah, it's kind of like you always hope for a time when you can just kind of walk and drive without commute or traffic. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, you appreciate but, that, but then you're, yeah. due to the circumstances, you're kind of like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I wish it was under different circumstances. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And yeah. so do you feel like, you know, based on what the guidance was, was there kind of like a clear kind of understanding of what you needed to do to sort of like either quarantine or do the whole shelter in place thing? What, what was that experience like? Um, so at the beginning, uh, when it started hitting New York, CD, the CDC sent out like guidelines, basically saying six feet. I mean, no, not, uh, that was before that. That was like, I think, before they were just saying, wash your hands, be extra hygienic and um, keep a little bit of distance from each other. So, I mean, I was like, I kind of already do that anyway. So, I mean, that's (laughs) like, I I am clean. I do wash my hands. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I was like, all right, that's fine. I mean, I'll keep on doing that. Um, When they started, you know, really implementing social distance, that's like the the buzzword of the year. Um, 
that's when st things started getting really serious. And that's when we started closing down schools and deeming which businesses were essential. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Do you, so like, you know, here in San Francisco, there's definitely this uh, shelter in place order and, you know, what they've really locked down is everything other than essential activities. And so I feel like it's a super kind of generic, overly broad kind of like definition of what to do. Do you feel like it's the same in New York where, you know, some yeah, people well, are kind of loosely following it? About that, you know, the when people say shelter in place, people think it's like martial law lockdown type of thing. I think Cuomo and de Blasio were trying to avoid those terms to be said in New York City to avoid any kind of panic around their the citizens. But essentially, I think what we have is like a really soft shelter in place in for New York City. I mean, they're not having cops patrol and say you can't be outside, but there are still cops out yeah. there. I was at the park running and it was actually pretty empty, which is nice. And I saw people trying to protect practice uh, social, social distancing. Uh, the cops would roll up on people who were like side by side. They'd be like, hey, six feet, six feet. So um, they're enforcing that um, nicely. But, you know, there's still people out there who are like today was a great day, 70 degrees. And people were out. My uh, friends were taking pictures of like um, parks and uh, sides of the highways, running paths where they, they would usually run and it would just be like packed. So. You know, there's a lot of places where you see they're completely empty, but then there's a lot of places where people are like setting up picnics or hanging out with their family in the park with a hundred other people. And it's like really uh, disappointing to see. Yeah. And 70 degrees in March in New York, no less, is right. pretty right. damn good, good day. So I imagine a lot of people are just waiting to get outdoors. Yeah, they're getting, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are getting cabin fever. A lot of people I talk to, they're just like, they need to get outside the house. They need to a little mental break from what's going on from the news, constant updates, uh, you know, the death toll, the number, the increasing numbers. But, you know, it's, you, I think the biggest thing people need to take away is that going out, doing that activity is just going to make it worse. And people can't see through the forest because it's, they just want, they're just selfish. I think some people act out of selfish behavior and they just need to really, bear down and sacrifice a little bit of their time for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. So t talk to me about, um, you know, your wife works at the hospital. She's a nurse. And so she's kind of, she's kind of living this. Um, yeah. You know, front lines for sure. Day. Yeah. So what's, what's that experience just like? So when, when at the beginning, when uh, these, um, when reports started popping up about, coronavirus patients in New York um, at the beginning, she, she was kind of like, Oh, this is not a big deal. It's, it's not, you know, it'll pass. It'll pass. It'll be like a mad cow or H1N1 or Ebola where they have one or two cases, but then they, you know, be quarantined and then they'll take care of it. It'll take her on its own. But once, you know, the government stepped in and started implementing social distances and, and um, closing down businesses, she saw a major influx of like patients who came in with like pneumonia type symptoms who had to be intubated, who, who came in with like all, all these like symptoms that just really overwhelmed her and the hospital system. So they had to develop a, a separate wing for just those patients to, to, to get on right. So every night she's been coming home for the past two weeks 
since everything's been implemented and she's been like really stressed out because there's a lot of things in place where um, they're not uh, able to um, handle the, the capacity of patients who are coming in and they don't have the resources like uh, proper PPE or ventilators or, or, um, uh, or any tools at their disposal to help combat what's going on. So they're putting themselves in risk every day. They come into work. Um, they don't have the tools to fight it either. So it's it's been stressful on her. Every day she's coming in, she's thinking she's been exposed because, you know, um, there's nothing there between her and patients sometimes. So, yeah, yeah, totally. And it, it's funny, I say your wife, but actually, you know, we're really good friends as well. So, <laughs> you know, I, I feel, yeah, I just, I just have so much kind of empathy and really appreciate the work that, you know, the folks on the front lines are really doing to try to really battle this virus. And it, it's kind of, it's, it's actually, you know, pretty sad, you know, the fact that there's not enough supply for just keeping even, you know, our healthcare workers safe. And I can imagine it can be a super stressful situation, um, you know, and so, yeah, really. Kind well, of yeah, she's sometimes. also, yeah, she's also seeing like, you know, the one, the one um, misnomer that she, she's seeing wrong is that like, she's seen that, you know, uh, before a lot of people were saying that, um, if you get sick, the only person, the only people or population that, that are really affected are the older population. Yeah. But she's seeing, she's seeing cases otherwise. Like, um, one of her coworkers, husband just passed away through Corona. One of uh, a nurse manager from, um, Mount Sinai, um, he passed away. He was about mid thirties. So there, there, even though there are cases who are, are, they're being affected more through the elderly population. There are people who are our age are displaying symptoms, heavy fever, um, uh, pneumonia, or who have to be intubated. There's a she was talking to me about like this healthy runner who was around our age who had to be intubated, intubated, and he was like in really bad shape too. So it's not just people who are older, but younger too who are being affected. So she's just really shook because um, you know it's not just one population that this virus is affecting. Yeah, and it's it's pretty crazy because I feel like a lot of the stats that came out initially were kind of pointing to, you know, there's a group of, of, of people that are specific age range or, you know, people who are immunocompromised, whereas, like, I think most recently, I'm, you know, we're seeing stats similar to what you're saying, right? And then you have, like, videos of, like, spring breakers in Florida just not caring about any of this. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, yeah, not yeah. Making, it's not making this problem easier for, for anyone involved. No, no, no. They they looking they're looking after their own personal joy rather than the the greater good of the country, and it's a it's the same. It's a shame to see. So yeah, yeah, totally. So you know the other you know the other reason why I I uh, wanted to start this, uh, and I, this is like totally a trial and something I'm kind of trying out, is to maybe even for just a little bit take people's minds off everything that's happening with COVID nineteen. So you know we talked a little bit at the top of uh, sort of our chat here about just. Um, how you enjoy running and sort of how that's a passion. We'd love to hear about that. There's probably a lot of people listening who, um, you know, are the same in that they 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 run a bunch and they <laughs> yeah. they, they do a bunch of like races and yeah, yeah, all those yeah. sorts of things. So, and then you you have an interesting story too because you had some pretty major surgery and then you know from what I see it seems like you've actually recovered from that. So it'd be great to hear just kind of your story about. Um, you know, your journey as it relates to just kind of running. Sure. Um, so I, I would never really, I mean, me and you would run 
you know, casually and we would do races like those, those like gimmicky races, like Tough Mudder or like uh, those mud races along with Hey, like, those were pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was. You mean running through electrical wires that just yeah. shock you was not a, was not actually legit? No, no, no. I don't think they count that for the Olympics. It's not an Olympic sport yet. If it's not an Olympic sport, then, then it's a gimmick. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, we would do like um, a mud race or a 5K or a half marathon for fun, you know, casually. We could, to get cardio in. We would, most of our, you know, when we were growing up, you, we would lift or you would box, you know, you, you do type of, that type of thing. And I, I considered myself more of like going to the gym lifter type. And you would see cardio as more of a, a chore than something you do for fun. Um, so I was always like that up until I had knee surgery at the beginning of 2017. And um, it was due to, due to like a sport accident, like football or, and basketball, two separate incidents. So I got knee surgery done, uh, ACL repair and MCL, no MCL, um, a meniscus, they had to shave down a piece of the meniscus. So, so I had like that done. Double, double kind of injury or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they had to get a new, a cadaver ACL and they kind of insert it to where the other one was torn off. And then the meniscus is like padding on your knee. They had to, they had to shave it down because the way it was um, configured when I injured my knee, it was just like all over the place. Yeah. So two separate procedures in one. It was, it was a long wow. procedure for me. And uh, it was a long road back, but um, I got back on my feet at the end of the year. And did you um, get a, I, did you get ice cream at the end of the surgery at least or whatever they give you? No, no, no ice cream, no um, nothing. I, I uh, actually couldn't eat it. I was still coming off the, like the, the anesthesia and everything was just making me nauseous. So I didn't want to even eat anything. I was just like drugged up and ready to go home and go to sleep because I was not up for any kind of ice cream or any kind of meals. Yeah. Um, and then I know you're going to talk about sort of uh, the success story, but, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm actually curious, like what what was going through your mind at this time? Because, you know, you're you're a super active person. So, you know, how are you kind of feeling as you were finding out you needed surgery? And, you know, did you ever think that you could kind of get back to the same sort of shape you were in prior? What was uh, um, what was your thought process? Well, the mindset behind that was when I injured. So surgery was the first option. It was uh, it was probably the last option. I, I got hurt actually 20, I think when I first initially tore my ACL was 2015, but I never knew that until I got hurt the second time. So 2015, it was my, actually my first marathon that I, I got drawn on New York city. I was playing football and I tore my ACL playing football with Ryan, a friend of mine that we grew up, a mutual friend of ours that we grew up together with. Uh, I tore my ACL then it took, couple weeks off and i just started training again but i would i would so always wait. feel a buckle so wait yeah. hang on you tore something and you actually just kept playing that's that's i played that's a, well, true, I played for a little bit but then <laughs> i played for a little bit but then it buckled on me again and then they're just like no you can't play again yeah so i, I think... took i took a couple weeks off and then after it felt better i would go back to sports because I, I joined like that's when i first moved to astoria so i joined like yeah. a a casual softball league and I'd, I'd play football and softball too. And I felt okay, but I would always feel if I would run out too hard, I would always feel a buckling in my knee and it wouldn't, it never really felt the same after that, that, um, that injury in 2015. So I kind of dealt with that for 
a year. I ran the marathon that year too. And luckily ACL injuries, there's not a, you know, you only really make it worse if you do any kind of um, short cuts or, or um, motions, lat- lateral motions. Yeah. So running is a very linear sport. So you, you just kind of just go on one, one plane and you, you'll be all right. But I kept on the, uh, the injury. I didn't even know it was torn until 2016. When I played basketball, went up for a jump shot and I landed and then I felt the same, uh, I felt the same, sensation i felt last year playing football is that like an so excru- sec- like an excruciating sharp pain that's just like hey uh, you probably well, shouldn't it, do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's what my, my ligaments told me it was screaming <laughs> th- those words um i felt that and uh, i i was like all right if this is going to happen constantly i have to get it checked out so i asked one of my friends to hook me up with an like mri he, he he got me in he got me seen and then once it was red, uh, I thought it was initially, I thought it was going to be like a sprain or something just like uh, minor, but I found out later on, it was, just a, it was like heavy, a torn ACL, uh, M, uh, MCL sprain and a meniscus tear. Wow. So I was kind of like shocked. I was like, holy shit, these are the, these are things like football players are out for a year for, and they need to get surgery before they get back on the field. And they're never a hundred percent. So I was thinking, I was like, shit, this is like something that could change my, my, my life. I, I don't know if I could play sports and um, I, yeah, I like to be, I like to be active, but I don't know if this is really going to, going to happen with this injury. So, and, I, and, and your, I, and your general reaction was no, I'll never play football at the park again <laughs> with Ryan. Yeah. So if Ryan, yeah, Ryan, no more. Ryan, if you're listening to this, we actually blame you for, uh, for all the follow. No <laughs> it was, no, he was there. You know, it's funny. He, he was there for the football injury and the basketball he he invited me out to the basketball game and that was my first time playing basketball in a while he's like hey let's, let's get a game of pickup ball so he biked all the way from his house in forest hills <laughs> to a story that invite me to a basketball game and that's when it happened so wow. if you're gonna blame somebody yeah definitely yeah. ryan it's all him. and you're like hey i've been feeling this kind of like sharp pain in my knee and ryan who's like a physical therapist he's like you're fine you're fine we, 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 need, <laughs> we need an extra player you know yeah exactly <laughs> sub sub um, so I, for, after the injury and after I heard the news, um, the options, I was doing research, talking to Ryan and then he, he directed me to his other friend who's also a personal trainer. He was like surgery, people can live their whole lives and live relatively active and normal lifestyle with a torn ACL. So it gave me a little bit of hope. So what I did was kind of just the PT route for a little bit. Yeah. I would do PT exercises with him for a little bit and try to play with this, with this injury. But every time I would go more like than 10 yards running, it would just like buckle it excruciating pain, excruciating pain. Is it true that like, you know, um, so basically the options are you kind of, you kind of live with it and you're kind of just kind of, you just kind of deal with it as is and deal with the pain or you kind of get the surgery and just kind of get it fixed Were those really the, the two options on the table. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So I, well, when you live with the pain, it really depends on the severity of the injury Yeah. and how, how well you can tolerate it. So if I were to just walk around, you know, maybe lift lightly on my knees, no more squatting. It really hurt when I squat. But if I were to kind of just like not play any sports anymore that requires like running or any kind of like quick movements, 
then I could live a relatively normal, pain-free life. But if I wanted to play any sports at all, then something else had to be done other than physical therapy. So that's when I started really researching, um, getting surgery done. And then, you know, I, I wasted no time, got it done January 3rd of 2017. Wow. And before the surgery, yeah. knowing kind of that you uh, would be out of commission for at least a couple months, wh- what were you doing? Did you like go for like a, a final run for like the year or <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. How no, I, so my, my, la- my last hurrah before the surgery was the Geller Cup of 20. 20- 2016. You were in, you were in that that uh, that Geller Cup. What's, I think. What's the Geller? I was wearing a knee brace. What's the Geller Cup? Just so people. Oh, uh, <laughs> so um, a little context from that is that if you ever watch Friends, Monica and Ross Geller had a yearly um, Thanksgiving flag football game between between them, them two. So be, so because we were all big fans, especially Ryan of Friends. I suggested him doing like a yearly championship game of the Geller cup. Cause we always play flag football every Sunday um, for, for, for a while. So we wanted to make a special event for Thanksgiving weekend. Cause there's a lot of people, especially you would come in from San Francisco to visit for the weekend. And it'd be good to catch up with uh, old friends. who we haven't seen for a while and uh, play a game that kind of meant something. So we, we started the Geller cup in 2015 and um, he actually has like a two by four with a, with a troll glued on, <laughs> glued on the, the uh, two by four. And then it has like the years like uh, participants and who, who, who won that one that year. So it's a pretty big yeah, event yeah. In, uh, in, in, our, uh, in our friendship there. I can see why, you know, thinking about the importance of that football game meant like hey i should probably get surgery so i could perform at my peak level <laughs> just to be that's exactly it that's yeah. what that's what the goal was man geller cup was the big event that was our super bowl that's right that's right i will not i will not debate that i actually think it's <laughs> important part of our lives you come out to yeah. play yeah for yeah. sure so okay cool so you so that was there's like a bit of a turning point then right you were saying um you were getting ready for the geller cup and and then what and well what i I, pl- I played it and i mean i just wasn't i i had to play qb because i couldn't even run more than five steps so i i was limited to like four or five steps uh and i i like playing receiver i like playing quarterback so i like to be, be flexible with that but i couldn't even do that so one once that's you know affected when when that affects your your your, your livelihood then you know I, I, I had to get something done. So that's when I made that choice. I was like, all right, get it done. I'd rather give surgery a chance. And if that doesn't work, then, you know, I'm back where I started, but better than nothing. Cause uh, the way I was living now wasn't that fun. Yeah. So I never had surgery before too. So I was, I was a little scared, but I'd rather try it out and see if it worked than not try yeah. it all. There you go. There you go. Um, cool. So you got surgery at the start of the start of that year. And, uh, what was that like? What was like post-surgery? What was kind of the road back to getting to the point where you wanted to get back to full kind of strength? Um, yeah. yeah. What was that journey like? Um, you know, doing the research, you know, especially the athletes, when uh, you see them go down on, uh, you know, the professional athletes, they t- ACL is like a year. It takes a year to get back on your feet 100%. Um, the first week was tough because – I'd sleep on the couch. My leg was swollen like a balloon. It, it was insane how, how bad the swelling was. 
I couldn't shower for a couple of days. Once I did shower, I had to sit in the chair with one leg out wow. because I couldn't get the the stitches wet. So it was it was hard to kind of move around. And I had to be my 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 folks' house for a couple of weeks before I went back to work. But I only had two weeks because you know I had to get back to work. So and normally you want to take at least a month, but I I had to go back to work and I had to drive my car. I, I thought it was going to be a wreck because uh, that I got my surgery on the right foot and that's where you use oh, the, yeah. the pedals yeah. but I can see that being a challenge yeah, yeah. luckily yeah, I don't bit. know if I would but jump luckily, into a car with you okay. with that being the case <laughs> <laughs> not gonna what it was it was a lot smoother than I, than I hope um, so the first couple weeks to a month was was kind of tough but surprisingly day by day it did get better I was really diligent on physical therapy especially the first like six months, I would go with the PT two or three times a week and I do the exercises and I'd be going to the gym too. I would go on the bike and just make sure I had a good uh, rotation of the, the knee and everything went smooth to be were, honest. Were you on, were you on like a schedule? Like, did you have, did you have like a certain amount of exercises you had to do per day and like targets to try to meet as you were kind of going through the, the rehab? Um, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. He would always assign me exercises to do at home, but it's something like, you know, like sit, sit ups or like, uh, you, you would sit against a wall and sit there for at a certain angle for 30 seconds at a time. Um, and then at the gym, maybe like single leg balancing stuff. So yeah. like miniature, miniature goals that I would hit and then I would progress further and further and further treadmill like um, more balancing stuff yeah, so. that makes sense yeah and everything was yes finally smooth so i'm happy of uh, how the recovery That's went great. all right cool so yeah it sounds like um you know the rehab and everything went well um and then tell me tell me about now at this point what was your mental mindset we were like all right feel like the surgery went well, recovery went well. Am I just going to jump back right into it? Or did you kind of take your time? How did you kind of get yeah. involved in physical yeah. activity? I, t- I dipped my toe in the water and made sure that I wasn't going hard too fast. So I made sure to kind of just um, break it up and not go full contact with either football or, or baseball or softball or, or any kind of sport I was doing. Um, and I just listened to the doctor. I was really diligent on made sure that I, I um, followed what the doctor said. So the one thing he did tell me, though, it was like the nine-month uh, checkup. He said that due to the um, shaving of the meniscus, that's like the the one that helps kind of like the padding of the knee with high-contact yep. stuff, that long-distance running would never be in the cards again. Oh. When I, when I heard that, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, all right. I mean, I was never really a big runner to begin with. I, only, I ran that marathon in 2015 because I entered the lottery on a whim, yeah. but – I, you know, I wasn't really kind of, I didn't lose too much sleep over it. So, so like, he, oh. he, he told you that at like nine months after like the recovery <laughs> that like, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, yeah. you <laughs> might not be able to run long distance. Like, Hey, this might've been nice to know before, you know, you went under that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, no, like I said before those, I never, I wouldn't, back then I wouldn't have ever lost sleep over that because I was like, I don't really run anyway. I, I play football and I run maybe like, 10 yards maximum so it's not like i'm gonna freak out if i can't run long, long distance anymore 10 yards but is maybe, a uh, pretty poor 
pretty poor reception there, but <laughs> <laughs> call me Wes Walker, man. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? Um, but little did I know that you know all my whole like life revolves around running nowadays. So maybe he gave me some kind of like chip on my shoulder to kind of prove him wrong and, and do otherwise because <laughs> that's pretty much all all I do now. He's like, you can't run long distance, and then you were like, just I'll you wait. That. I'm I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> right the next day right on a treadmill yeah um yeah so how did you how do you get more involved in sort of like the running game is there i know there's so, like a group you're pretty involved with but how'd yeah, you get, yeah, yeah how'd you fall into that so it all started it was 20 2018 yeah a whole year after um surgery and stuff i was at the gym with hazel and then i got a notification on nike talking about this um this like local training program called project moonshot so nike rolled out a program for new york city to train for the new york city marathon and i was like all right I'll, I'll, maybe i'll give it a shot i'll fill out app, they fill out an application talk about running what it means to you and how it relates to the city and i you know i just gave it my best shot didn't really expect anything of it and once i got the acceptance letter the following week i was like oh wow this is pretty cool I, before that I wasn't really running at all. So I was like, I'll see where my legs are feeling. I'm not really confident that I could go as far as a long distance run anymore because of what the doctor told me. So I, I, I kind of took it day by day. Once the program started, I'd met a lot of great, a lot of cool people, a lot of cool people from different, different fields, different uh, walks of life. And that uh, changed my whole world. Just kind of to, to take a step back real quick. So doctor tells you, <laughs> you're, you're, you're not going to be able to run long distance. And the next thing you do is like, oh, hey, like, how do I I'll sign, sign up for a marathon? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's kind of interesting in itself. So what was the application? Um, what was the application like? So you were basically saying, um, you know, I've never been a, a, a long distance runner, never really enjoyed running. It seems like a chore. So I'm curious yeah. how you got accepted. <laughs> that's like the main <laughs> A lot of BSing. Yeah, a lot of bullshit, man. A lot of bullshit answers. No, but um, it, it was just kind of like, you know, questions like, um, what does running mean to you? How does running in the city make you feel? And I just like, you know, <laughs> I did the best I could, you know, like really, um, the, the weird like answers that are kind of like very uh, aspirational and and you know like answers that. I don't know if really it really meant to me the way it did now, yeah. but I thought that what they would want to hear is what I what I wrote down basically. So you put down like um, a, anything that you could read on a motivational poster. You just kind of, yeah, right, kind of snuck right, into right. the application. I, I I I gathered a lot of the Nike <laughs> ads and they kind of regurgitated that into their answers. Yeah, nice. cool. And then um, you, you heard back from them pretty quickly. Yeah, a week later they said, "Hey, congratulations, you're in." orientations like in july come come in and then we'll get started on a 16-week program to get you ready for a marathon so i was like oh i uh, we'll see how this goes because i haven't (laughs) run more than like four miles since my major knee surgery um so i i I decided to give it a shot nice and uh at this point did you check in with uh with your doctor or your pt no i haven't heard from (laughs) i haven't talked to him since yeah, I'll, I'll send them the picture of all the medals that 
I, I've procured since yeah since uh, knee surgery, but no, no, I haven't I haven't had a conversation with them since. Yeah, and so tell me about a uh, uh, project moonshot with Nike. Uh, so um, it's really 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 cool. So they uh, they you go to Nike Nike HQ in the city, you meet a lot of people who are kind of like I don't know. It's just like people who are like older gentlemen who are like 80 years old to people who are still in college and different walks of, like I said, different walks of life, different fields. And they come together because they have the one similar goal and they have various, very similar aspirations as you do. So um, once I started meeting all these people, it kind of just clicked. I really kind of just um, got along well with a lot of these people. And once I got to know them, I, I, you know, I found, I found, a group of people that really, that really understood what it's all about. So I've been kind of ingrained in the, the community since. Nice. And then how'd you do in the, the marathon that you're training for? So uh, I, I, the marathon that they were, they were um, training all the people for was for New York city. So I had an extra 10 weeks of my training myself to get ready for Disney. Cause I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't sure if I was able to be, be back at that shape at all. So, um, first marathon back 315, which is a 314, which is, wasn't bad. I wanted to hit sub three, but I mean, we'll see, we'll see. But I, I felt really good for what I thought would ne- I would never even sniff yeah. around, uh, again. So I was, uh, over the moon. Three, so 314, moon, sure. convert that, do some math for me. What was that um, from a mile time? Pace per mile, I think, would be like a seven twenty wow. pace per mile. I think. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you... <laughs> yeah, if you were to tell me I, I would do that, I'd be like, eh, "What the hell are you smoking?" Because I would never, I never see myself going that far for that long, ever. Yeah, for that fast. You so know? it sounds like kind of around this time, that's really when you caught the caught the running bug, and it sounds like you've been doing it ever since. Yeah, yeah. So after the first moonshot, um, I kept in touch with a lot of people. Um, I met uh, a couple of guys who had their like, they had their own like little club to themselves. It wasn't really a club; it was more of a joke to them. It was called Old Man Run Club. They would always kind of get together. They're all like all over forty now, and um, they they got the running bug as I did a little later on in life, and um, they joined Moonshot, and I met them to there and we kept in contact then and then they started making weekly runs and then through that i kind of just built other friendships and relationships with other people from that from that club and yeah i've been cool ever since nice the rest is history cool so uh yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome so what what advice would you get for someone who is going through something similar you know pretty active uh, or maybe not even active but kind of find out that they need surgery pretty major surgery and Literally, <laughs> they're being told by their uh, healthcare practitioner that they can't do X, Y, Z. So, what what advice would you give for someone in, in a similar situation? Um, I mean, definitely follow what the doctor says. <laughs> I mean, I could be the outlier. Do the I, opposite. I it, yeah, do the opposite. Exactly. No, follow what the doctor says. No, no. Um, I think, yeah, just if you feel like you can't you gotta it's really case by case basis i think you if you really want to do something that you love and because of some kind of injury that you sustained you can't do it 
try to find any any and every option you can to get get back on that that field because it's it's what you love it's what you love and if it's taken away from you it's it's really taking a big piece of who you are and it it could change you so try to get back on on to what you love as you know in any way possible but also be careful with it take it step by step you know you're not going to get everything back day one it's going to be a long process for sure and then it's not usually linear there's going to be a lot of obstacles that you have to overcome but if you really love what you you want to do to get back on that that field then then um you gotta you've got to find a way yeah totally um yeah so kind of going back to the the state of the world today because running is such a huge part of your life how are you how are you integrating that it's funny yeah yeah well one of the things that you can do you know in this state of self-quarantine and social distancing is you could run um when when they put the implements of like um no group play like basketball Cuomo was talking about like a specific example about basketball how you can't properly implement social distancing distancing properly with basketball um the one thing he referred to was like running you can go for a run solo so the one of the sports that have survived because you can't go to gyms anymore like all those clubs Oh, the boutique gyms are closed yeah. down, so you can't do do that stuff no boxing, anymore. You can do yoga, no, no boxing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of people, a lot of my friends who are are into that, all their classes they're they're taking is uh, through um, their yeah. Instagram Live or, or no, Zoom. Uh, so they're they're finding a way to get it in for sure, no, but not you know. No thumb, no thumb what? wars. Can't do uh, all the, all these. <laughs> no, no, not even that. Yeah. Not maybe with gloves and maybe masks, <laughs> but yeah, no, no touching, yeah. man like rest of development, no touching. Um, but the one thing you can do for sure is running. So uh, out of all sports that I, I participated in, I'm lucky to, to be participating on the thing that I do love. So I get to still do what, what I love to do, but it's in a whole different um, uh, light. Like going, I, I, I love group runs were really, really cool to do. Like we, Like I said, the Old Man Run Club always offered saturday long runs and i would always look forward to that because it was like you know after a long week of work it's kind of like hanging out with your friends on when you were like in middle school during the weekend it was like that we just hang out during the weekend so that was taken away from us but we still have the run to do we could still do solo runs and so i still have that and right now i'm seeing more as the uh, exploration of the city uh, in a different light where there's nobody there. So I'm like running down fifth Avenue or central park. And I feel like I have the whole city to myself. You know, it's like Will Smith walking around the city, like yeah, no problem. No, I just had to find that mannequin. Yeah, to dance no with. zombies either. Getting a little delusional. <laughs> no zombies. Oh, That's yeah, a big yeah. One. yeah. So out of everything that I, I'm doing, yeah, it kind of, it kind of, kind of worked out perfectly that I could still run because that's one thing that, you know, they encourage you to do, kind of get there maybe 30 minutes and, and do a quick run to, to keep your sanity. So I am happy uh, that that's still available to me because that's really important. Like being active is, is really tantamount to who I am as a person. So, um, you know, I, I need that. I need that physical activity to keep me uh, yeah, sane. That makes sense. Great. So, uh, you know, last question for me, what, what are you going to do when this is all over outside of running? <laughs> I'm gonna throw the biggest 
party in the world. All the drugs and all the liquor. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'm definitely gonna go out and see my friends. Um, give them a big hug, grab a couple drinks, and just kind of catch up because we we see each other on on Zoom. You know, we do the Zoom happy hour, Facetime happy hour, that type of thing. But it's just not the same type of like. Um, yeah, it's not the same at all. It just feels so so strange the dynamic. So um, I'm gonna just hang out with a couple of my my friends and just you know catch yeah, up. Great. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure having you as the first guest here. No, uh, no pressure, but I think you performed average. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, thanks so much for uh, joining it. I'm sure a lot of people are gonna get a lot from your story, and you know, hopefully, uh, they can learn from your experience as well. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Appreciate being on. I thought I'd be a little nervous <laughs> talking, but this is this is fun. It's a good outlet, especially being at home for like ten hours or more at a time. It's good to have some some contact with somebody and catch up with an old friend like you, who's so easy to talk to. So I hope more people join this podcast and see this as an outlet for everybody who's been kind of in a rut because of what's happening, and see that there's more that they could be doing uh to kind of just see this as a, uh, an opportunity to grow outside of just being stuck in a house hopefully learn learn new language go biking go running find a new sport hazel's running a lot more now and she like absolutely hates it so hopefully that people find a new outlet for them to explore and grow uh positively yeah. out of it so totally agree i'm happy great well uh thanks everyone for listening here um hope you enjoyed this one and uh we'll be back with another one uh, whenever I can finish editing this. <laughs> All views expressed on this podcast by me or my guests are our own. All of what we say is intended for entertainment purposes only. <laughs>